Awaken from our Rip Van Winkle slumber, we're bringing the energy back to where the money is. A couple weeks off, a lot of interviews I think we've let everybody listen to over the last couple weeks, but we're back. We are back. The shortened, good. bigger, better version of where the money is. More, more punch. Yep. Thursday, energy's still the same, but can't not talk about the biggest news I think in a long time in the energy sector. Um, yep. Kinder Morgan. Second biggest deal since, uh, what, ExxonMobil merger. Yeah, right. I mean, $140 billion company now. They are officially the third largest energy company in the world. The family has always been, but now it's one big company or soon to be. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of cash be- or a lot of shares being uh, handed over to shareholders of KMP, EPB, and uh, KM- KMR. So now they're all KMI shareholders or if they stick around. They will be. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's quite a deal, Seven, yeah. $70 billion in all um, after actually uh, assuming some debt. But, yeah, I think this is a a very interesting move. I agree. Innovative coming from Kinder Morgan. Yeah, I mean, if you look over the energy landscape over the last two years, everybody has been moving into MLPs. They've been trying to spin off all their pipelines to get the tax benefits. However, you're seeing this, the biggest MLP company, actually going the other way. So, Mm -hmm. you know, will this be a new trend? We'll have to see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this company, a lot of the reasons why they gave for it is because of their size. They couldn't find projects big enough to, to generate revenue growth on par with what they were expecting for investors to be able to generate higher dividends. So now they're going to be uh, a C-Corp, no longer a limited uh, partnership. So the changes up a little bit as far as their distributions are concerned. No longer called distributions. They will now be paying dividends Div- again. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I do too. And so now you're going to see this company probably go out and wield a lot of cash in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not start with organic growth, but I would expect an uh, acquisition or two. Um, is there any basin that you might look at if you were Kinder Morgan? I mean, as far as basins, I think they're going to be looking at getting more access to a lot of these oil plays and yeah. new oil plays. So I think there's a lot of companies that they can go out and now purchase, and they have you know, a lot of uh, freestanding – they'll have a lot of freestanding cash that they can start spending and maybe growing their acquisitions. And you know, I think with this company, when you have the MLP structure and you have the incentive distribution rights that have to go to the general partner, they were really – limiting the amount of growth. And when, if you're a shareholder of Kenner Morgan Partners, the MLP, you're looking at distribution growth as the most important key. And if, they're, if management's really executing, that incentive distribution goes up, which means that, that growth won't necessarily be there. So now that they're all together, I think they'll have more cash and they can actually go out and start spending more on more companies. So I think it's not going to be building out uh, a lot of new pipelines. I think there'll be actually some nice acquisitions in that area. And, you know, I, they don't have a huge exposure to the Bakken, which mm-hmm, maybe right. they can get into there. I know One Oak has been a big player in that area, so maybe they could look together at some companies like that. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of basins and a lot of new basins that uh, people are now starting to drill, oil-heavy basins. So I think uh, there's a lot to like with Kenner Morgan. And, you know, if you look at their dividends, they're looking at a 16% growth in 2015 mm-hmm. and then 10% annually through 2020. So got to like that. A lot, yeah, I mean, if you like dividends, this company is going to be pre- providing quite a, a bit. If you were in KMP or any of the others for the distributions, you're not sacrificing much mm-hmm. with this new deal. And you had a nice little segue into our second headline here. We go to Bloomberg. Uh, oil rigs hit record as drillers move outside of big basins. Um, Pretty big news. The rig count has been suffering for the last few years. Apparently, it's crept back up to record highs without me even really noticing that. 
I don't know if you if you've been following along, but to see it at a record high now is, yeah. is pretty impressive. And and it's not just the Bakken or mm-hmm. the Eagle Ford that's really driving a lot of this growth, which is um, I think bodes well for the stability of the overall uh, U.S. oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have been seeing flat rig counts for a while, and a lot of that was is the efficiency that they were using the rigs. So you don't have to go out and ha- and keep adding rigs to drill more. They're actually drilling more with one rig and right. with pad drilling. So you saw that kind of level off, but now that you what you mentioned, not having, uh, if all your rigs are just in the Bakken and you can do more with that, there's a lot of new plays that are cre- uh, creeping up that you'll have to get more rigs out there. And I think that's where a lot of the growth is coming from. If you look at uh, the scoop down in Oklahoma, you know, Continental Resources, which is the biggest driller in the Bakken, mm-hmm. uh, really likes this area. And they're saying that there's so much oil potential here. This is a big area of huge growth engine that they think they will have for many years. Um, and then if you look at where the actual rigs are growing in states, California, that's uh, um, obviously a state that has a lot of oil, but mm-hmm. haven't seen a whole lot of growth there. You're also seeing a lot in Louisiana, and in Louisiana, we also have the Tuscaloosa Marine Shell there. That uh, is another oil-heavy uh, pocket that people are very, very excited about. Uh, Halcon Resources, another company that's big in the Bakken, they are huge in the Tuscaloosa Marine Shell. They think that the oil potential there will really help them out. So, you know, there's a lot of new plays that mm-hmm. not, a people, not a whole lot of people know about. Uh, it just shows that there's so much oil in a lot of areas in the United States that uh, st- will still continue to grow that record production that we're seeing. Yeah, just some numbers. Um, if you look at uh, the Eagle Ford, 2.3 million barrels of oil equivalent, so that's oil and natural gas, estimated to be produced per day by the end of two- 2014. The Bakken, around 1.2 million, although that's mostly oil, um, if not you know above 90% oil. And then the Permian, about 1.1 million barrels of oil equivalent per day. So again, that includes natural gas. But they're not growing as fast. Look at the Utica, 308% year-over-year growth. The Niobrara in Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, 71% growth. And the Woodford down in the scoop that you talked about in Oklahoma, 66% growth. So aside from the Woodford and the Utica, uh, you, you don't have much infrastructure in the Niobrara. So you saw Noble Energy really suffer from that. They're producing well, but they don't have the takeaway capacity. So mm-hmm. these new basins are going to have to be addressed as far as pipelines and processing facilities are concerned. That's what Kinder Morgan's for. That's right. That's what Kinder Morgan's deal is for. Mark West has been doing a great job in the Utica with pipelines. So as Spectra Energy Partners, they've been building pipelines running north and south and processing facilities. So companies are addressing the Utica and the Scoop. Obviously, Oklahoma is right in the middle of all this oil and natural gas production. So they've already had pipelines there, but the Niobrara little bit um, behind the behind the curve, but I think some, there's some rail capacity out of there, and I, I look for some new pipelines to be built in that area, mm-hmm. but they're going to have to catch up quickly, but it, like I said, it's nice to see production outside of the Bakken, Eagle Ford, and the Permian uh, really picking up. Yes. On to our Ask a Fool, unless there's yeah. anything else you want no, to No, no, it's, uh, it's good to ask a fool. Well, one Let's thing before, uh, pad drilling you mentioned, I think it's interesting, people might not realize, that's when the rig sits on basically tractors, and or, you know, if you look at a tank wheel, basically sitting on those and it can move and drill up to double-digit rig or double-digit wells with the same rig. And this um, is important because it takes about two weeks to disassemble right. the rigs. These are huge. So if you can just move it on a track and not have to disassemble and reassemble, it can save a lot of time. Exactly. Innovation, uh, taking charge, and, and really driving down costs, which will hopefully help um, end users of, of gasoline here in the United States. So on to our Ask a Fool, which we just promised. 
Um, Joel, you want to let us know what's on the mind of one of our fools? Yeah, definitely. We got a question from Gwen Chen, and basically this is a question from a f- couple weeks ago. Uh, it's very important now because we're looking at Core Labs as a mm-hmm. company we've talked about. We've talked about on our last show. The question they had was: I have been on the sidelines about Core Labs for a couple of months. Now that it's trading about somewhere near one hundred and fifty dollars. Is it a good entry point? They also looked at kind of looking at the forward PE of 23 uh, times uh, price of earnings, and they think that that's that's a little high compared to some competitors, which it is. They also looked at or asked, you know, the market they think is overvalued right now. Is it a good time to initiate any uh, position? And, you know, for Core Labs, I would say, yes, it does look expensive to some of the competitors, but they're in a different niche, Mm -hmm. uh, so I wouldn't really worry about that too much. Uh, you know, the market is a little bit overvalued, but this is a company I think is at an entry point that you're not going to see with a lot of growth potential that you're going, that it will have. And the reason it has been dropping is, you know, big oil has been spending a little less. Their cap, they've been uh, shrinking their CapEx a little bit in this year and next year. They're saying that, you know, they're not going to be growing their CapEx. Offshore uh, drilling could be hurt from that, and that's a big driver of core labs' business. So, yeah, you're seeing that company draw back. They hit their estimates, their lower guided estimates. Uh, and I think they're just set up very, very nicely for a number of years. So I think at this entry point, um, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago. You were looking at the $150. Uh, I'm saying, you know, maybe I might add to my position. I would definitely do it if it wasn't already a big position of mine already. Yeah, right. uh, but now yeah, I think it's a, a good time to entry. Yeah, I mean, to go back, I did buy more. So full disclosure, um, I lowered my cost basis a little bit. So that was nice. Um, it's right around 146, 147 now. So the the price line that he stated two weeks ago is still very much in play. Um, yeah, I agree. A lot of a lot of activity that we haven't seen take place yet offshore. Um, Mexico just announced that they're going to release up to four fifths of potential oil uh, in the future to external companies, and they don't have any deep water rigs in the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. off of Mexico, which is shocking to me. Core Labs is very levered in a good way to offshore oil when they get in those basins as far Mm -hmm. as revenue generation. Once offshore really opens up around the globe, Core Labs is is the company that has all the knowledge from the Gulf of Mexico, from the North Sea, Mm -hmm. from East and West Africa, and they're going to be able to translate that into basins that haven't yet been touched. This is a long-term play for me, and I'm sure it is for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that people look at when they talk, when they look at oil and gas investing is, you know, it's a cyclical business. Prices go up and down. Companies get crunched when prices go down. And I think that's something you don't really have to worry about with this company because it's not capital-intensive. So it can withstand a lot mm-hmm. of these, these, these uh, price cycles. People are going to need natural gas and oil for the long term. So, you know, getting in at an entry point like this, if, say, something does uh, happen in the economy, prices drop a little bit, this is still a company that will still be doing well. With the free cash flow that they generate and just the pricing power they have with a lot of their customers will help them through a lot of that. And I, I just see so much potential, and it's a company I do like for many years. Agreed. Long-term shareholders that have been riding it for a while welcome, probably welcome this 20% drawback mm-hmm. so they could add some more. Shocking to say that about a company, but Core Labs, I think, is one of those. So there's our Ask a Fool. You can submit your Ask a Fool on Twitter at TMF Energy or mail at energyatfool.com. Absolutely. We'll get those, and we'll answer them a little bit more quickly than two weeks since we're not going to be taking those breaks very often. Um, I think we're back for the, for the long haul now. So uh, for Joel and I'm Taylor, Fool on.